Hey everyone, before we start the episode, I wanted to share some exciting news. We have a YouTube channel now. We started posting our episodes with some cool images and videos, so you should definitely go check it out. You can find us at On Wildlife Podcast, and don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get into the episode. Hello, welcome to On Wildlife. I'm your host, Alex Ray. On this podcast, we bring the wild to you. We take you on a journey into the life of a different animal every week. And I guarantee you, you're going to come out of here knowing more about your favorite animal than you did before. The animal that I'm talking about on this episode might be one of the most adorable creatures you'll ever see. But behind all of its cute features are adaptations that help them survive in their harsh environments. And because it's winter here in the Northern Hemisphere, we're going to continue with our Arctic animals that have to deal with freezing cold climates. So grab a nice cup of hot chocolate because it's about to get chilly when we talk about harp seals. Harp seals are endemic to the Arctic and North Atlantic Oceans, meaning that they're found nowhere else in the world. Unfortunately, they've been exploited for hundreds of years, and we're going to talk about that later on in the episode. Aside from the name harp seal, they can also be called saddleback seals, and they get their name from a black harp or saddle-shaped marking on their back. Even though they've been exploited, they're also known as being one of the most abundant seal species. There are about 7.5 million individuals in the wild. The largest concentration of harp seals is near Newfoundland, Canada, which has about 5 million individuals. Harp seals spend most of their lives in the water, but they drift on sea ice when they're migrating for short distances, giving birth, or molting. Harp seals are the only living members of their genus Pagophilius. They're members of the true seal family, Phocidae. So it's thought that the closest living animals related to the harp seal are the ribbon and gray seals. And there's three main categories that we classify seals in. There's the true seals, also known as the earless seals. There's the sea lions, and there's the walruses. Seals often get confused for sea lions, but there are some defining characteristics that you can use to tell them apart. The best way to tell the difference between a seal and a sea lion is to look at their ears. Sea lions will have flaps on the outer sides of their ears, while seals have no ear flaps. Another way to tell is to look at their flippers. Sea lions have elongated front flippers with short claws that are covered with skin. And seals have short, webbed flippers with longer claws that are covered by fur. Seals are mammals and are classified as pinnipeds, so it might surprise you to learn who some of their closest relatives are. Some of their cousins include raccoons and bears. Harp seals can grow up to 6 feet long and have average weights of about 260 pounds for females and 300 pounds for males. If you've ever seen them in pictures, you'll also notice that they have extremely large eyes. And not only does it make them completely adorable, but it also gives them great vision for searching for prey and looking out for predators. Their main predators include polar bears, killer whales, and sharks. Only some of the most dangerous predators on the planet, so they've got nothing to worry about. 
So we talked about what eats them, but what do they eat? We'll find out right after the break. On this episode of Notable Figures in Science, I want to recognize Bessie Blunt Griffin, who was an American inventor and therapist. After she was scolded for using her left hand to write, she taught herself how to write with her teeth and her toes. She first studied nursing at Kenny Memorial Hospital in New Jersey, and then physical therapy at Union Junior College and Montclair State University. She started working at Bronx Hospital, where most of her patients were World War II veterans who were amputees. She taught them how to write with their feet and teeth just like she did. Not only did she help them write, but she also invented a machine that helped veterans feed themselves. She sold the rights of the invention to the French government. After this, she got into forensics where she started working as a handwriting analyst. She really lived an extraordinary life and dedicated it to helping people. If you want to learn more about Bessie Blunt Griffin or this series, check out onwildlife.org. Okay, we're back. So harp seals have a lot of predators, but they themselves are predators too. They eat small fish like cod, and they also eat krill. They're really not that picky though. A statistic from NOAA stated that they eat up to 67 different species of fish and 70 different species of invertebrates. In one study conducted in 2013, scientists found that krill can make up as much as 63% of their diet depending on the time of year and the availability of other resources. They're a foraging predator, meaning that they actively hunt for their food and feed on what they find. And because pretty much all of the animals that they eat are aquatic, they spend most of their time in the water. They're extremely agile swimmers, allowing them to chase down their prey. They dive to relatively shallow and moderate depths to find their food, and compared to many other seals, they're not the strongest divers. The maximum depth that they can dive is around 1,200 feet under the surface of the water. Elephant seals, on the other hand, can dive almost 8,000 feet under the water. But harp seals are really good at holding their breath. They can stay submerged in the water for 16 minutes at a time. And when they're underwater, their nostril slits close. When this happens, they can't smell prey, so they rely on those large eyes that we talked about earlier to survey their surroundings. But it can get murky and tough to see underwater, so what's really amazing is that they can use their whiskers, called vibrissae, to detect vibrations of predator and prey movement. When resources are slim, they can turn to their thick layer of blubber to rely on as extra food reserves. We can do that too. It's why our body has fat. It's basically like stored energy so that when we don't have food for long periods of time, we can burn that for energy instead. During the mating season, when harp seals are more social, they can travel and hunt in large pods or groups. Mating and birthing season happens from February to March, and harp seals can actually mate in the water or while they're on the ice. A breeding male is called a bull, a breeding female is called a cow, and a baby seal is called a pup. They exhibit polygynous mating behaviors, meaning that the males have multiple breeding partners in their lifetime. 
To obtain mating rights, dominant seals will bite and beat each other with their flippers. And that may sound like something you'd see in a slapstick comedy, but it's very serious to them. When fertilization has occurred, the fertilized egg is actually free-floating within the uterus for four months before it gets implanted into the uterine lining, which is why the gestation period for harp seals is around 11 and a half months. This postpones birth until there's more ice available for the seals to go on. When gestation ends, females group together on the ice to give birth to their offspring. They have an extremely good sense of smell, and they can identify their pups by their scent. Females give birth to one pup. Twins are really rare. The pups lack the thick layer of blubber that adults have. This blubber is extremely important for staying warm in the freezing cold environments, and it's also a layer of protection for them. Luckily for them, they have a thick white coat that helps to insulate them, and they get most of their energy from their mom's milk, which is rich in fat. After birth, their fur has a slightly yellow hue because of staining by the amniotic fluid that goes away after a few days. The fur, also known as pelage, insulates the pups, acts as a guard against injury, and conceals them within the snow from predators. When they finally shed their white coat, their fur is gray with dark spots, and they're commonly referred to as beaters because of the sound their tail makes when they're learning to swim. At around 14 months, seals will molt again, revealing a spotted pelt. Seals at this stage are called bed lamers. When they reach sexual maturity, they receive their final coat and coloration at about 4 to 5 years old. The pups grow really quickly as they gain over 4 pounds of blubber every single day. When it's time for weaning, females stop nursing their pups to go mate and they stop feeding for up to 6 weeks. To prevent losing more body mass, the hunger motivates the pups to find their own food. Harp seal pups can also be called white coats because of their fur. Unfortunately, that fur is highly valuable to hunters and fur traders, which puts them in danger of clubbing. The face of an adult harp seal is all black, as well as their eyes. Their eyes are all black to combat the glare of the Arctic ice. Harp seals can also live to be around 15 to 30 years old. Now, what are some other behaviors that these seals exhibit? Stay tuned until after the break to find out. Time for today's trivia question. What percentage of the world's fresh water is frozen in Arctic ice? A. 45% B. 10% C. 25% Or D. 5% The answer is B. 10%. Okay, welcome back. Harp seals are solitary animals, except during the mating season when they group up with tens of thousands of potential mates. They're also a highly migratory species. The main reason that they migrate is to follow sea ice. The sea ice is so important because it offers protection from their marine predators like orcas, and it's also the place where they give birth. Their annual migration can be up to 3,100 miles long. We already talked about how their blubber helps to keep them warm, 
but they also have another way of keeping warm, and it's through their flippers. Flippers have circulatory adaptations to prevent the loss of too much heat. They also help with heat exchange, able to heat or cool the seal as it needs. They can press their front and back flippers together in order to prevent themselves from losing too much heat. The main way that harp seals communicate with each other is through vocalizations both above and below the water's surface. They vocalize for a variety of different reasons, like group coordination, attracting mates, or warning of a nearby predator. New research has even shown that they listen to each other underwater so they're not making noises over each other. They make different types of sounds than others at the same time so they can each be heard. Humans have a not-so-great relationship with harp seals, as I've touched upon. Exploitation is their biggest threat currently. There has been a conflict between sealers and environmentalists for over 200 years. Thousands of harp seals are killed every year for commercial use. The commercial sealing industry began when adult seal parts were harvested in the 18th century for use in products like pet food, boots and coats, and seal oil. From the 50s to the 70s, the global harp seal population declined to under 1.5 million animals, which evoked a response from Canada's Department of Fisheries and Oceans. There are now regulations and quotas on the hunting of harp seals. There's government controls over hunting and harvesting activities, and there's also now an age limit on the killing of seals. They have to be at least 14 days old or older when they begin to shed white fur. Climate change is also affecting seal pups because of warming Arctic temperatures. When the ice melts, they don't have as much of a safe place away from predators. So exploitation and habitat loss are some of the biggest issues facing harp seals, and these animals are extremely important to their ecosystems. They are known as keystone species in their environment because they help to maintain a healthy food web. This is due to the fact that they're both predators and prey. More specifically, they're higher on the food chain, and their disappearance would cause huge disruptions in the food web. For example, if harp seals disappear, then polar bears would have very few things to eat, and they would die out too. This would then cause the polar bear's prey and the harp seal's prey to become overpopulated, which could be extremely harmful to the ecosystems. Because harp seals are so important, it's vital to maintain their conservation, and there are some great organizations that are doing that right now. You should check out harpseals.org, the International Fund for Animal Welfare, and the Circumpolar Conservation Union. Thank you so much for coming on this adventure with me as we explored the world of harp seals. You can find the sources that we used for this podcast and links to organizations that we referenced at onwildlife.org. You can also email us with any questions at onwildlife.podcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at on underscore wildlife or on TikTok at onwildlife. Don't forget to tune in next Wednesday for another awesome episode. And that's On Wildlife. listening to On Wildlife with Alex Ray. 
On Wildlife provides general educational information on various topics as a public service, which should not be construed as professional, financial, real estate, tax, or legal advice. These are our personal opinions only. Please refer to our full disclaimer policy on our website for full details. 